<laughs> you want to wear those? <laughs> I see lots of things up here. <laughs> All right, uh, turn in your Bibles to, we have four different scriptures and they're going to place them on the, on the screen for us. And um, the, the title of the message is Serving with Purpose. And I know we hear a lot about serving, servants, you know, things like that, but uh, I have these four scriptures and uh, hopefully we can arrive at uh, seeing how that we serve and how that serving has a purpose, okay? First one is Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. And uh, this is where Jesus has um, been tempted by Satan. And this is his de- declaration in chapter, um, chapter 4, verse 10, to, to Satan. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it, is re- for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Okay? Serve him only. The second scripture is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Then Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then the fourth scripture is in John chapter 12, verse 26. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So whoever serves me must follow me, and my Father will honor the one who serves me. Now, when I ask you a question, or you know, you're presented with this idea of servant, um, who is a servant? You know, who, who do we define as being a servant? Or what does a servant do? And often our first thoughts is perhaps uh, someone who is a servant in a house or someone who is a paid individual or a slave who meets the needs of people. And some definitions that I found in the dictionary were to be a servant is to attend, uh, to give the service uh, and respect due a superior. It's not, I don't have a service, okay, it's still serving with purpose. So we still have serving with purpose. Now, to comply with the commands or demands of someone, to perform duties, to act as a server, to work through a term of service. So whenever we think of my concept uh, of what I would think of when I think of a servant would generally fi- follow within those, flow within those definitions. But there are some other definitions that I think are more appropriate for what the scripture is telling us about serving. The other definitions come to be furnished or supplied with something needed or desired. Okay? A servant is someone who has, who has been furnished with something that is needed or desired. Now, whenever we'll put this within the context of the scriptures that we were looking at, 
that each of us, while, you know, we've, we've spoken about this many times, while you were yet in your mother's womb, God formed you, knew you, put in you all the things that were necessary for you to be a person and be the person you are. And what does it take to bring those things to the surface? Well, and we are, as we are serving God, we find that we are serving with a purpose and that you are already furnished or supplied with something needed or desired. Ah, so we're serving. To furnish professional service, uh, to answer the need of, to be enough for or to be suffice, to contribute to and to provide service that benefits or helps. So whenever we are looking at these scriptures that we just read here, that um, uh, we are to, to, to uh, serve or to be of service, that there are things about us, qualities about us, that are necessary for us to use and to be of service to people. Now, when Jesus rebuked Satan and informed him that the worship of God is first and serving God only is our only option, okay? You are to worship the Lord your God only and serve him only. So we have this declaration then from Christ that the qualities that he has and he is as a person is, has only one purpose, and that is to serve God. And whenever he is telling us and referring to us that we are to serve God only, and that is our only option, he, is, he wasn't referring to a slave's loyalty to a master. He was speaking that God had furnished us and supplied us with something needed, that he had furnished you with that which is needed and useful, and what you and I are, are is only for God's use. So when we talk about, speak of being a servant, then who you are is for God's use, and God will use what qualities he has placed in you for your best interest and for the best interest of other people. Everyone has purposes. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has talents. And we all have that which is of value, something that we have to offer. And Jesus said, away, away to Satan. What I have is for God's use, and him only will I serve. So when we are making a declaration that I am going to serve God, we're making a declaration that we have something of purpose. We have something of value. And that what I am going to do with my purpose and my value is I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve him. Now, Matthew 6, 24. What's that say? No one can serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. Now, two masters represents that there are choices that we have in our life about serving. We are going to serve God or serve ourselves. We are going to serve that which will uh, have eternal benefit or we will serve that which has temporal or temporary benefit. So we have a choice in using the values of who we are and we make choices about our, our values and whether they are going to have eternal benefits or temporal benefits. So you cannot serve both. You know, we, can, we, can't, you know, we can't be serving God and say, well, you know, or serving humanity and say, well, it'll have an eventual, have an effect upon eternal benefits. It doesn't work that way. What we use life for or live for 
will fit either one of these two categories. It will fit into the category of that which is eternal, or it will fit into the category of that which is temporal. So most of the time, it's very hard for us to think of our lives being of such value that they are of eternal benefit. And sometimes, we're, we're, I mean, you know, we're caught up in, in our everyday living, and everyday living, you know, we hopefully don't just live paycheck to paycheck, but, you know, we, we, we survive and we have our talents and we have our abilities and we get paid for them and, and uh, we are, they, they're used and uh, they, they, uh, we trade money for time, you know. We trade money for time, time for money, and, um, and so we are paid. So it gets us thinking that our values and who we are as a person is somewhat diminished to temporal. But you see, we can be in this world and doing our everyday living, but still have qualities of our life and aspects of our life that are beyond this realm and beyond just the temporary things that we're doing, but having eternal benefit, have an eternal perspective that blesses the lives of others. So the Bible says that uh, in Matthew 6.20 that we are to, let me read it, Matthew 6.20. Anybody have it there? What's it say? Do not, verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is there will your heart be also. So whenever we are putting together this service with a purpose, we are seeing how that God has a way of working in our lives that is an, of an eternal benefit, even as we are about temporal things. Because our work here is for a purpose, and, it is, and the purpose of that work is that we have an eternal perspective of who we are and what we do. Um, all that you are, all that you ever will be, is dedicated to one of these two categories, temporal or eternal. We are all serving one of these two masters. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So serving is imparting treasure into another's life. Serving is imparting the treasure of who you are, what you do, the qualities that have been given to your life, and you are imparting them to others. <laughs> Everything that we have, Everything that we possess is part of us being stewards of our life and of our possessions and that as we live our life, we are sharing those with others. We are sharing them with others. Now, the, the lie of Satan is that you don't have value and what your value is isn't beyond, doesn't work very well and, you know, and, and isn't very important. Well, that's a lie. Jesus said to Satan, get away, get away from here, because what I am and what I am about is more than what you are trying to give. Worship the Lord and him only shall I serve, that shall you serve, that we are worshiping God, and that worship of God allows us to be infused with allow, and allowing his spirit and his word to work in our life to make a difference. 
to make a difference in how we think, to make a difference in how that we feel about ourselves, and make a difference in where we are going and who we are working for. Serving is serving to give and serving to get. You say, well, we can't be serving to get. That's not what this is not true. You see, both of these are correct. Serving to give and serving to get. You cannot give away what you don't have. Where does it come from? (laughs) Where does what you have come from? How are you to be wise stewards of what you possess if you don't possess anything? So we have to have possessions. It's when possessions possess us that we have a problem. (laughs) If you don't have, you can't give. So acquiring is not a sin. See, how much do you treasure your relationship with Jesus Christ? How much does our relationship with Jesus Christ mean to us? Does does that relationship have an effect upon who we are? Does the principles that God is teaching us in in His Word affect how we think and do and say and go and all that, all, all of that. Because that is how we are outlining the value of the treasure. We are, we are um, outlining the value of the treasure that Jesus Christ has given us. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. The word of God is eternal. What does the word of God speak to us? It speaks to us words of life. It speaks to us words of hope. It gives to us words of encouragement. It gives to us that we have purpose in this life and in, and in the life to come. That we are part of the body of Christ. And there is no part of your body that you, you can do without. It has an important part. It's all there for a reason. So the same thing is that you are part of the body of Christ for a reason. Now, how much do you treasure your relationship with Jesus Christ? How much do you treasure your possessions? <laughs> now I'm not going to have you denounce everything you own and send your money to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's he trying to do? I want you to denounce the worldly treasures. You don't need them. <laughs> How about this one? The world is ending, <laughs> and uh, uh, Jesus is coming back, and... Uh, we need to we need to we need to spread the spread the the gospel, and I never told you to give all your money to me. It just you know, people sold their houses and everything and sent them this someone who was declaring the world to be over and the world didn't end and they don't have a house. So that's not what this is about. <laughs> um, you see. If you are getting and acquiring wealth to build bigger barns and hoarding, then, you, then that, that's, what, that's where the, the wrongness comes in. Um, we, we have patients that, you know, that we see uh, go into their homes, and, and there, there are sometimes there's individuals who are hoarders. Have you ever been in a house with a hoarder? <laughs> a professional hoarder. Now, we're not just an accumulation of things. A professional hoarder, a person who has, uh, I want to call them professionals, but a person who has this sickness, you see it on TV, you know? You've seen all these people on TV, and literally you walk into the house and you cannot get through the house because there's just a little path and there are things the whole way to the ceiling. And you can't 
reach the things over here because there's too many things in the way and they don't even know what's over there. And when you go to take away something, they get very um, uneasy. You, you can't do this. They don't know what it, they don't, they don't, you know, if you went in and cleaned out the house, they may know every little item, but they, they may not, but they don't even want you to take out bags. They don't want you to take out anything because something's going to be missing in their life and they may need it. Um, that's the, the idea, that's the, the really sick part of hoarding, but that whenever we, whenever we look at ourselves and we say, you know what, I, I need to build something bigger to hold all of my stuff, and, and, and then the needs of other people go un, unmet. And, you know, I, I like the idea that, um, like one man said, that, that we should be in the recycling not just the idea of putting cans in the recycling bin, but the clothes that don't fit. Oh, I have some of those. Uh, do you have that shrinkworm get in your closet? I had to shrinkworm. This, this shrinkworm has gotten into my closet and shrunk so much of my stuff. Uh, you know, it's just, just one of those things. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm wanting one of those to come in, those expansion worms. No, that's already here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the shrinkworm got in my closet and, you know, but the idea is that the recycling and taking, taking things, you know, even garage sales and stuff, you know, they have their purpose. And you're recycling things, giving things away. And so it's not wrong to acquire, it's wrong to hoard. And, and, and this is, whenever it's talking about purpose, that you and I have gifts. You know, we, we can think of things like, we can think about it in the context of, of things that we can hoard. But what about our talents? What about your giftings? What about your, your, your thinking? <laughs> thinking? What about your things that we do? You see, but it's more than just this. You see, um, the acquiring of stuff is not necessarily wrong. It's the, it's, the, it's the attitude of how we keep it. You can't serve two masters. It's like, well, you know, the offering and giving that we can't we can't afford to give because you see the idea of giving is the idea of being a steward over what God has placed in our hands and what we're doing is and you know if I, I don't if I ever get to the idea of preaching a sermon on tithing that'll be the Sunday nobody will show up you know but I'm not going to tell you ahead of time it'll just be a surprise now Brad said he was going to do that last week he was going to do the tithing sermon but the idea of giving is that it's it's like um, the bible says that we give the first the first fruits meaning that whenever whenever in the old testament whenever they would uh, harvest their grain their their um, their fields they would bring the first of their harvest and bring it to the temple and what that did was it was a way of sanctifying the rest of the harvest it was a way of thanking God in advance for everything that was going to be in the field. You know, they were saying, God, here's the, we're going out, we're harvesting, and this is the first fruits of our harvest, and we're bringing it to you, and this is a thank you. We don't know whatever, what, the, what the fields are going to produce, but this is what's saying in advance, we thank you for everything that we're going to get from our harvest. And so that's the idea of giving, and, and we're, we're saying to God, I'm thanking you for all the provisions you're bringing into my life. Well, well, what about the provisions? How much are out there? How much is out there that I need? 
Well, God will be the one who supplies all of my needs. So I'm saying up front, God is going to take care of everything, and I'm trusting him with my life and with my harvest that is yet to come. But that's a different sermon. So you can't serve two masters. God has given to you, in the scriptures he talks about the five talents, the three talents, the one talent, the ten talents, the, you know, whatever, because there's two different, two different stories about the same thing. And the idea is that God has given us talents, and the talents are to be used. Talents are those things which are placed, and if we don't use them, we lose them. The person who had one talent, what did they do with theirs? They buried it. They hid it. They said, it's, it's not a, that much value, and I'm just going to give him back exactly what he gave me in the first place. And it's like going to school and uh, saying, whenever you get out and graduate from the first grade, you're going to know exactly what you grew, knew whenever you went in. All I'm going to do is maintain what I've got. I don't want to know any more than what I know already, ne- than what I know now. You see, and that's, that's wrong. And in our life, we are to continue to grow and we're going to continue to um, advance in our understanding and our, and our knowledge and, and, and our faith. See, God has furnished, he has entrusted you with, he has supplied you with something needed or desired. God has entrusted you with, supplied you with something that is needed or desired. Is he talking to me? (laughs) God has entrusted you with, supplied you with something needed or desired. He's already given that to you. To provide a service to, to answer the need of, to be enough for, to contribute to, to provide a service that benefits or helps. You cannot serve two masters. And these two masters will contradict each other. One will want to hoard and one will want to be generous and be wise in the stewardship. We must choose who we will serve. Matthew 20, 28. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Serving is more than doing. Serving is a quality of greatness. We think of serving as acts of helping, supporting, encouraging, being kind. Jesus did this, but that's not all that he did. And the idea of, of, well, my service is uh, helping, supporting, encouraging, and kind... That type of service is too restrictive. Serving is an attitude, not just a list of things that we do. Serving with an, serving with an idea, what's the title of the sermon? Go back to the beginning. Serving with a purpose. Okay? See, supporting, helping, encouraging, and being kind is too restrictive. If we are going to be supportive... It's more than just doing certain things. Serving is an attitude, not just a list of things. Serving is about a desired, about a desired outcome, not a type of action. Serving is having a desired outcome. Trish, I'll pick on you. <laughs> yeah, always you better pay attention now. Preachers ask you a question, but you you serve. Um, a, 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 large, a broad group of people, right? 
senior adult, not senior adults, but people out of school, correct? All right. Now, you serve them by connecting them with education. And what else? Ways, ways of paying for education and jobs. Part, and jobs after that, okay? But you serve them with the desired outcome of getting them through the school, getting them paying for the school, and getting them to have a job. So it isn't just serving people as doing something nice for them. Let's, let's, um, let's feed them lunch. That's a good idea. But you teach them how to fish. Oh, sorry. Serving with the desired outcome. That each of us serve, but there has to be... What is the, what is the outcome of our serving? See, like when David is in El Salvador, that... Um, People, they know the Americans are coming. Well, after all the d- disasters they've had, there was billions of dollars dumped into the country, and people just handed out money. <clears throat> so when the Americans show up, people line up for what? For money. The taught them that you guys can't do anything, so here, let's give you some money. So people show up, they give them money, and what happens? After the money's gone, they come back and want more. Natural response. How many of our kids do that? <laughs> yeah? I mean, yeah, Ethan, you didn't hear that. Stay, stay, stay away from that. All right, but <clears throat> but what happens is what happens to us whenever God has provided so many things in our lives, you know, and, and He's saying, "Okay, you've got a purpose here. You have things in you that no one else has, and you have what you have for a desired outcome. Now use what you have at, with a outcome in mind." So we are serving ourselves, we are serving God, we are serving the community by what? By doing something with a desired outcome. Well, it's wrong to have a desired outcome. No, it isn't. You see, service is about a desired outcome, not just a type of action. Jesus... His desired outcome was to prepare his disciples to be the leaders of the spiritual renewal that was going to come after his resurrection. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist, he was there for a purpose of preparing the way, and then when Jesus showed up, that was the desired outcome of his entire life. He must increase and I must decrease. Jesus, his life, his teachings, his miracles, they were all focused toward a desired outcome, that here is the Messiah, the one who would come to remove the sin of the world. Our service is about a desired outcome. Jesus served the rich young ruler when he challenged his value system. The rich young ruler did, I've done everything. And Jesus says, you've got to sell everything you have. It wasn't that what he had was wrong. It was where he was placing his trust. The desired outcome that Jesus had for the rich young ruler was to get him to move his trust from things to God and his faith. What does it take for us to move to the place of faith? The, 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 he, he served the woman at the well. When he 
you know, he spoke to her about, well, how many husbands do you have? Well, you know, and he says, well, the guy you're living with isn't your husband and you've had at least five. <laughs> Whoa, what's going on here? Broken relationships. Jesus served her by challenging where she was at and where she needed to go. He was serving her. In every case, those Jesus served made choices of their own and in their response to uh, the service that Jesus provided. So when Jesus confronted them, he confronted them, he was serving them, and they were making choices. So like in, in, our, in our service, you know, we have a wonderful worship group. What, what is the desire of, uh, uh, what is the desired outcome of, of, the, of the songs and of the worship? To inspire worship. To inspire us in our worship of God. Well, what's the, what's the uh, desired outcome of the message? I don't know, preacher, what do you think it is? <laughs> well, what's the desired outcome of our message? Of preaching, of teaching? That we would be inspired and be encouraged to help us become more than what we've been in the past and, and, and to kind of encourage us in our, in our walk with God and to know that there are choices that we make and our choices have an effect upon us. They have an effect upon our friendships and our families. They have an effect upon our, our, our life from here on out. You know, I look back over um, 30-some years of being here and I think of individuals that came to this place here and they chose not to serve God and how destructive that choice was in their families. You know, I wish I, wish I could go back and maybe I could, if I would have said something different or challenged them more, challenged them differently, maybe would have made a difference in their life. But you see, each of us are challenged and each of us are here for a purpose, and each of us have a desire, we have a desire, a, a purpose, and a plan by God in our life, and as we challenge ourselves, and as we serve our children, serve our parents, serve our friends, our family, we have a desired outcome, closer walk with God. Hmm. You see, we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We're part of the body of Christ. We're part of an eternal kingdom. It's going to last forever. We are part of the movement of God in the lives of others. You are God's messenger to the people around you. What you say, what you do, what you don't say... <laughs> how you live your life. You are God's message to the people around you. And you see, there is a divine purpose. We are serving with a purpose. See, John 12, 26, whoever serves me must follow me. And this, the last part of it says, my father will honor the one who serves me. To follow Jesus, we sit in heavenly places. We have to be where Jesus is. And where Jesus is, he is, he is one with the Father, but he is with us. We are with him and he was with us. We must follow him. And God will honor our commitment. God will bless, he will bless those who, 
you know, who, who, who bless others. And, and he, will, he will not curse us, he will bless us. He has a purpose and a plan for our lives, and he will work that out. And service is about a desired outcome. And what is the desired outcome of God serving you and I? God is serving us. He is serving us. How does he serve us? With his word. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That nothing shall separate us from his hands and from his love. You know, there's this other scripture I was going to read. 2 Corinthians 6, and then I'll close with this. This is Paul writing. He says, As God's fellow worker, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in trouble, in hardship and distress, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and, and dishonor, bad report, good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Paul is writing about how that he was beaten and imprisoned, how that he was, he was tortured for his faith. But he had a service with a purpose to the further the kingdom of God. And no matter what hardships happened to him, he saw God's hand being there. Whether he had everything or whether he had nothing, whether he was beaten and drugged out, drug out of the city for dead, whether he spent a day and a night floating in the deep, he always saw that the divine hand of God was upon him. And this is the challenge, I think, in serving with a purpose realizing the hand of God is upon you. Okay? The hand of God is upon you to bless you, to direct you, to help you. And there is a purpose behind that hand being upon you. It is that God can work through you to touch the lives of others and make a difference. You can acquire things. You can be billionaires. It's not the problem. It's where you put your trust. God has blessed you. You can be paupers. doesn't matter. God has blessed you. 
God is able to work through each of these circumstances and anywhere in between. God has a desired outcome for our lives. As we serve him, he will make a difference in us. We will make a difference in others. And it will last for an eternity. The hand of God is upon you to bless you, to take that which he has already placed in you and fulfill it, make it grow, and cause it to be fruitful. Amen?